talk. Derek Miley, cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sexist isn't good enough. No, sex talk with Derek Miley. Hey, folks, welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here. I'm really stoked because I, I think my podcast gets to branch out in fun directions because we talk about sex. And so I brought you Shauna. Shauna, what's your last name? Because it just absolutely left my freaking brain as Potter. we started Potter. For Potter goodness. Like See? Brain gone. It's because it's Friday. Shauna Potter, front person for War on Women, musician and author. The book is Making Safer Spaces. Your pronouns are she, her. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Just just to clear it up, it is the book is called Making Spaces Safer. Oh, for goodness sake. Don't worry. <laughs> you know what? We got this here pandemic on. There's a lot more serious stuff to worry about than the order of words. People can people can Google it. Don't worry. I actually have it typed out exactly as you said it on my show. Like the, I'm looking at it and my brain just went, whoop. Nope, not for you today. <laughs> this is completely true. I think I want to start with the pandemic stuff because you're you're a performer. You go out into music venues. You not only just being like a, a wonderful activist, but like how's Corona impacting your ability to perform and, and be be with the fans? Yeah, my no, my life has completely changed, just like everyone else's. Throughout this whole thing, I I actually am kind of proud of myself for being able to practice gratitude and have my priorities straight and, and understand just how lucky I am. But that said, like, it's still hard. Like everyone is dealing with something difficult because of this pandemic, whatever level it is. So yeah, we, we had, my band had a bunch of tours scheduled this year, all canceled. We're going to go overseas. We're going to go to Mexico for the first time, all canceled. Uh, now, I don't think we could go to Europe if we wanted to. I don't think Americans are allowed. <laughs> yeah. And I said, no, not yeah. you, Americans. Yeah. Go home. Get your shit right. We're all carrying stupidity <laughs> in our bodies, <laughs> that's for sure. So, like, right away, the first thing, you know, I started doing is just kind of scrambling to sell off all the merch that I had in a closet, like just sitting on my credit card. Right. And, and started worrying about unemployment and, and, and what kind of side hustles can I turn virtual? And it's just a lot to think about that, like financially that I haven't had to worry about, not because I don't struggle, but, but because like, well, I had one plan in place, right? Like I, I, I've already over years and years and years of being a touring musician, I've already figured out how to live on very low income. Yes. A very <laughs> meager, humble lifestyle that I love, but I'd already kind of worked it out. And so the idea that it changed unexpectedly and suddenly and with no plan B, I was like, what do I do now? <laughs> so, What's um, next? Yeah. So I think everyone in the band is struggling with finances and unemployment and a couple of people still have their normal jobs, which is great. And so it's kind of varying experiences within the band. And yeah, we just, by now we do all miss going out there and, and performing and, and connecting with people. And we keep thinking about, you know, people ask us what, what would it take to get out there again? Or what, what do you think the next show will be? When do you think it will be? And, and one, I think if I'm not willing to get in a van, with my bandmates for my own safety, I obviously shouldn't be playing shows right. and, I, and I'm not comfortable with that. Idea. I'm not comfortable getting 
five people in a van breathing the same air right now. And also like, if I can't, I don't know if I can't high five people, hug people, talk to them after the show, like connect. Is it worth it? I don't know. Fair. I I wonder, like, I, I wonder when I'm talking to my clients, when I'm talking to friends, family, the thing that they're, they are reflecting on a lot is all of the missing physical connection, emotional connection that you didn't realize was part of your everyday or sometimes life, right? Like when you go to a show, when you go see wonderful musicians, which I am a regular person at shows like yours, you do, you get the energy from the band, you get the energy from the people around you, you get all of these pieces that essentially evaporated. And so we miss you. <laughs> Can I say that as a fan, we as a music you. fan? Like we we miss you. Like we we miss I I I was watching um I watch the things going on in New Zealand with a lot of jealousy right now. Shout out to New Zealand listeners. We love you and we're so glad that y'all are getting to get back to life. But they showed an image of an orchestra getting to be together and being with an entire crowd. And I just watched this video and wept. I was oh, just like yeah. I was like <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I imagine I have that thing where I'm like, I know it'll be so far ahead in the future that if I just don't really think about it, I'm fine. I think it, it's, I think for me, it's going to be really tough when it's getting closer to like, maybe, may, maybe it's possible. And if we do these things, X, Y, you know, check off the list and maybe it'll be okay. Like, but maybe, but maybe not. And you know, when it's like, actually possible when it comes to like tangibly like planning it I think that's when I'll start to feel distressed it's like a long car trip you know if it's like a six-hour car trip you don't ask are we there yet until five hours in but if it's like an hour as soon as you get in the car you're like are we there yet this is taking forever yeah you know so you have to pee five times yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes just trying to pace myself because you know right now I gotta gotta do what I can to fucking pay the rent yes Yes, everybody go. Okay, everything that's going to be in the show notes for Shauna, go buy it because we <laughs> have to help our fellow creatives out here pay their rent because that is a absolute real thing. That is an absolute real struggle that's happening. So I do want to talk a little bit about the book itself and your experience as much as I, I know that it's removed right now, but it is a long experience that you've had going into clubs, going into community spaces generally. Talk a little bit about your experience in the creation of War on Women and and, and what led you to writing this book? Well, I think like any person that belongs to an oppressed group, you you have plenty of experiences of even if not outright harassment, which is, I think is very common, um, you know, being diminished, being discounted, not being believed, not being treated with respect as an equal. So, you know, you accumulate those experiences over time and playing in music, certainly, definitely, e- even now in War on Women, like we are still in mostly like male dominated spaces, you know, like I, obviously I love to see mixed crowds and get on a bill that is diverse and, but that's still an exception, not the rule, you know? So 
I have plenty of experiences of just being, you know, people taking gear out of my hand and being like, here, let me help you with that, honey. You know, and it's like, this is my gear. I own it. You just still like, yo, and if you drop it, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah. Like this is a seven basement. So why don't you take your hands off of it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to um, cut you. You know, stuff like that. Uh, or like, uh, hi, do you mind, uh, changing out this mic or whatever. And then someone just grabbed Oh, you do it like this. Like I've never changed a mic before. You know, I was just, I asked you cause it's your job. Not cause I don't know how to do it. I'm actually trying to pay you some respect, but okay, whatever, dude, you know, like little stuff. And then yelling like nice ass from the crowd and show me your tits. I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Following, you know, following us around in the crowd, you know, that on top of just like when I leave my apartment and exist in public, I am, exposed to that same kind of stuff. So it doesn't matter if I'm on stage or not, I could still be disrespected. But there's something kind of beautiful about being on stage when you can kind of like accept the power that you have in that role and just realize I'm the one with the fucking mic, dude. Like I've got a huge PA behind me. I've got a loud band behind me. I can say whatever I want. I can tell security to kick you out. Like you don't even know. So, you know, over the years getting better <laughs> about accepting the power I have. Um, but really, I'd say, you know, writing this book, Making Spaces Safer, did not come solely out of that experience. It, it, it came from a place of, like, I had started doing anti-street harassment activism. I'd started raising awareness. I'd started teaching people bystander intervention. I'd started, uh, I came up with a program through Hollaback Baltimore called the Safer Space Program, where, where we taught venues how to keep all the attendees safe, like how to, how to respectfully deal with incidents of harassment that were like in a victim centered way that, that kept everybody having a good time and didn't lose money. And if you were going to lose money, you're going to lose it from the people that wanted to harass and grope, not the people <laughs> that were being harassed and groped, you know? And it just made perfect sense to put my efforts into those spaces, these leisure spaces because that's where I was also performing. And, and a lot of times that's where I was working even. But after a while, you know, doing something like this, you realize you're having the same conversations every single time you do a training. You're bringing up the same information. Like everyone I spoke to didn't know everything I was telling them, right? Which is, again, why I was there, you'd like to think. But it's like, okay, so I guess this isn't common knowledge all the safer space stuff. And it should be, a lot of it is just kind of normal, good human communication skills, right? Active listening, crisis response. I'm sure you're aware <laughs> of that stuff. And so I just thought, well, this, everybody needs this. This is like real basic stuff. Like this is the foundation of building a better world. So I thought, well, what if I just write it all down? And then I don't have to lose my voice saying the same things over and over again. I'll just put it all in the book. It's more affordable, more accessible that way. You, people can share it and people can do it themselves. And, and that's really the beauty. Like now I, I love a consultation. Don't get me wrong. Like my favorite thing in the world is running safer space trainings. It's my favorite thing. My favorite thing. I'm, I'm available for hire if anyone's interested. Yo, but, but, the Shona. <laughs> come, come pay Shona. Yeah. But, it, <laughs> but obviously like that's unreasonable in every situation. It's unreasonable when there's a pandemic. I can't fly to your city right now. We can do it virtually, but there, you know, nothing beats doing stuff in person. And so this book is a way for people to be able to do it themselves with their community, with their workplace, and without cops, and without losing profits. 
And I, I love so it. I just think it should be in everyone's hands. I, I love it. And I absolutely I fundamentally agree with you. I, I can't tell you how many times, I mean, some of the listeners are aware that I've been a musician since I was a young kid, but also like I've been to so many shows. And as someone who identifies as a woman, every punk rock show, every metal show I've ever been to, every, <laughs> every, uh, jazz show i've ever been to if there was a large enough crowd my ass was getting grabbed right like this is part of your existence if you are part of an oppressed group of people and and like you said like it is not something that other people are necessarily aware of unless it is happening to you as often as it has happened to many 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 of us women and i think that practical and actionable part of what you are talking about is something that I think we should jump into a little bit. So when it comes to what you are telling some of these venues, when you do some of these trainings, what are what are some of these actionable things that would actually help them create this safer space? Yeah. Well, I believe in uh, a couple different pillars to, to start with. And, and so briefly, one is just making it obvious making your intentions known, put out the welcome mat, don't just open the door, right? So that just means putting up signs that say no harassment tolerated or, or whatever works with your the, your venue's vibe, you know, your language. But just putting up signage and, and, and posting about it on social media, just a reminder, here's our anti-harassment policy, or if you're harassed, you can talk to this person or email this person or whatever. Uh, just just getting rid of the the silence around it just acknowledging that like, yes, it does happen. And if it does, we've got your back. Like that's a huge part in building trust where people might actually start telling you that they were harassed or groped in your space instead of just leaving. Right. So that's important, but then you have to follow through, right? If someone does complain about harassment, you need to know what to do. And so in the book, I talk about, like I said, active listening and grounding techniques if someone's in crisis, but really the whole program and the whole book is based around this idea of, the three options. And what that means is if someone comes to you and says that they were just harassed, whatever word they use for it, that you basically leave the power with them, give them a voice and a choice. I'm using a lot of cliches this morning. I haven't had enough coffee maybe to not use them. <laughs> but <laughs> And you give them three options, which are, do you want me to keep an eye on them? Do you want me to talk to them? Or do you want me to kick them out? And so, of course, when I do a training, I go through all those scenarios and we talk about what that can sound like, what it can look like, and the fact that everyone at your venue is is a part of a team and not everyone has to do everything. You know, some people are better at confronting people calmly and some people are better at comforting victims who are upset, you know, and that's fine. Share the load. But the point is that we need to take it seriously enough and stop just saying, okay, cool, what do you want me to do about it? Mm -hmm. And dismantling this, this, you kind of uh, talked about it as silence. I think it's also like secrecy, intentional secrecy, not from those who've experienced this kind of harassment, but secrecy because of the discomfort of, of actually having to address it, like you've talked about. Secrecy in the way of protecting those who want to harass. Yeah, because I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand why. That's such a thing, but it is where I think businesses or, you know, managers or owners, maybe not even the workers, right. But just like the people in charge think that if for some reason they just don't deal with it, it'll go away. 
And that's just not true. It, it wasn't, doesn't happen that it, way. It obviously keeps happening. And now I think something that I stress, you know, for the really skeptical folks that only care about the bottom line, I stress the idea that like anyone can now go online and say, I was harassed in this place and they ignored me or they said, so what? Or they, or they then harassed me themselves. You yes, know, Google reviews are a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so we can't afford to ignore it financially or just, I think, morally, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. So if we have to bring it down to the bottom line. <laughs> I know. I, like, hate, I, I do hate it. But I, I also, you know, as, as someone that I care about a less violent world, that's always my goal. How do we get to a less violent world? And people are different and they have different entry points into caring about things. And so while one person might only care about money, maybe the other workers there care more about the people. And as and as long as the things are happening that need to happen, you know, then I'm I'm good for now. And frankly, I think that when safer space tactics become normal, then those people that maybe just care about money can see, oh, you know, this isn't as scary as I thought it was. And this is good. And we have better, cooler people coming in now. Yeah. And and they're easier to deal with than like the angry entitled dude Mm -hmm. or something, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I do want to pivot this conversation in some ways, just because I think fundamentally important what you're talking about But also the next question I usually get from people, I've worked with actually quite a few of these folks who we've kind of labeled as entitled dudes, right? Like I've worked with those who've committed sex offenses. And that's one of the first next questions they have for me when I'm, when I'm, when I've worked with them in the past is, well, well, then how do I flirt? If you don't like (laughs) this, so of course the victim blaming comes in, right? How do I do this? See, hear the toot in my voice. I do. (laughs) But you do have um, some wonderful advice about how to flirt without being a creep. Let's let's talk a little bit about that. It's like the most applicable chapter to this specific podcast, even. Uh, Just the idea that, and that's why I put put in the book, because I was like, I don't even want anyone to ask oh, well, well, how am I supposed to flirt now? I guess I can never flirt with a woman ever again. That's usually the line. <laughs> and so, so I was like, actually, I'm just going to, I'm going to head this off and just show you that there is a way to flirt that is healthy and makes people feel good and, and uh, you know, can still get you laid if that's, if that's uh, the natural course of things, right? Like, I get it. Sex is great. <laughs> Sex is great, but have you ever tried flirting in a respectful way? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and in a way that didn't make the person feel like they you were going to follow them to your, to their to their car. Yeah. So <laughs> in in the same way that like sometimes I have to address the bottom line with business owners, in this chapter, I, I certainly address the idea that I don't feel sexy when I'm worried about my safety. Oh, preach preach. So (laughs) when I'm having to put my keys between my fingers, when I'm walking out the damn club door, that's not sexy. That's fight or flight or freeze right there. Yeah. Even if I'm, even if I'm available and I'm interested and I wouldn't mind hooking up with someone that night, right. I'm not going to do that if I'm scared, even unconsciously, but somewhere in my brain, if there's an alarm going off, I'm not going to enjoy a witty back and forth with you. And therefore it will not lead to having sex. Right. So what I stress in there is this idea that like, 
especially when it comes to, you know, cis men and cis women, which are not everyone, obviously, and there's a million different ways to be oppressed and to flirt healthily on a spectrum. But in that kind of stereotypical case of like cis man, cis woman, it is not in your best interest for me to be on guard. It is in your best interest for women to feel free and safe and know that if something bad happened, they could uh, tell someone and it would be dealt with and and they would get justice and in whatever way that means for them. If I know that there's either less violence in the world or if there is violence that that people will take it seriously and 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 say like, oh, that's terrible that that happened. Let's fix that then I'm going to let my guard down a little bit. I'm going to feel free to be myself. But when the onus is on victims to somehow prevent what happens to them, which is impossible when someone decides it to make you a target, well, then, yeah, if it's on me, then I'm going to be super guarded. And, and that's not fun. I want everyone to have fun. This book is about making sure that everyone has fun, not just the entitled creepy dudes. So... When it comes to flirting, if there's anyone out there that wants to know the secrets, the first secret is don't. If you aren't actually interested in someone and they're a stranger and they are a member of an oppressed group, leave them the fuck alone. You're not the first person that's tried to talk to them that day. Uh, You don't know what they've been through. You know, at best, you're wasting their time. And at worst, you are harassing them, like you're just bothering them. And they don't need that. They've, they've had enough of that in their life and they don't trust you to know that you have good intentions. So the best thing you can do is actually just leave them the fuck alone. Now, if you're actually interested in someone and maybe it leads somewhere, maybe it doesn't, you know, obviously no obligation, but if you're actually kind of like, oh, this person's kind of cute, I really want to talk to them. The biggest thing for me is to not talk about their body, not talk about things they can't control especially about their body. Talk about the band that is on their shirt, right? Talk about the book they're reading. Talk about the cool hair color, the cool boots, something that they have control over, something they chose, right? And make it genuine and don't lie and say, you know, that band when you don't, you know, like don't lie. <laughs> but, you know, find find a common space to talk about something that they have control over. And, you know, the last bit I'll leave with everyone is to take the no. Yes, except Just, that no is yeah. what that is. It's well, a full except, sentence. Except that everything except yes is a no. Everything except a yes is a no. Everything. So you say, "Oh, that's a, that's a cool book." Actually, I've I've read that book before. Uh, how do you how are you liking it so far? Uh, it's fine. <laughs> that means no. That means saying like, okay, cool. Well, if you want to talk about it, I'll be over here. Do you know how sexy the confidence is when someone's like, all right, no worries. Well, I'm going to leave you alone. I'll be over here if you'd like to talk to me. Yeah. Super, that is hot. Super sexy. I that was like, you said hot. that. I was like, that's sexy. <laughs> <laughs> like be that confident person. If if they're interested, they'll come to you. You have, you have to say, if you're interested, I'm right here no big deal. And the reason you have to do that is because they get harassed all the time. That that's why it's not a game. It's not some weird, like men do this, women do this. Like, it's not about that. You're dealing with someone that's, that's been harassed their entire lives, or at least since puberty. And they've probably even been harassed that night. And so you're just acknowledging that part of their life 
by saying, well, I'm going to be over here. Or I just think you're cute. I want to give you my number. No obligation. I'm over here with my friends. Didn't want to bother you. But if you're interested in going on a date, give me a call sometime. Bye. And then walk away. That's hot. That is hot. And it is it is something that uh, I can't tell. I, I feel like I need a shirt or maybe a hashtag. I don't know. That authenticity breeds connection. It endears you to people. And so when you are acknowledging that that person maybe have has been through something that day, regardless of it was ha- uh, harassment or they just had a shitty day, you're just honoring that like, oh, this person might not want to talk to me right now, but that may mean that they that they would want to talk to me later when they're in a better headspace. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so just to emphasize, obviously, anyone has the potential to to harass, you know, and it's not always on purpose or malicious. It's accidental. Uh, and so anyone has the potential to harass. Anyone can be a victim of harassment. So certainly this is not just for cis men. This is for everybody. You know, like I've certainly had plenty of what I at the time assumed to be lesbian women that got too close to me right? That touched me, that were inappropriate because historically, quote, women aren't threatening, right? And yeah, in general, no, I do not find women threatening except for when they're in my fucking space and touching me (laughs) and like whispering in my ear or something. And I'm like, I don't know you, like back up. Like, so sure, I wasn't afraid I was going to be raped that night necessarily. Like I might be if it was a guy, but it still made me very uncomfortable. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously, it's in, in my brain somewhere because I remember it, right? And so, again, anyone can be a harasser. So these are points for everyone, everyone, you know? And like, sometimes you're dealing with people, they have a ton of tattoos and you're like, oh, really cool tattoos. And they're like, yeah, I know. Like th- they have people talk about it to them all the time. And so there's things in the book about just, just don't sound like everybody else either. Like, you're potentially bothering this person. Here's how to talk to them without um, making them feel like an other. Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. You are just a blessing to us. We cannot wait until we can all be together again, watching your performances and everybody go out there and buy this book right now. And you can you can know step by step and have the reminders of how to be how to flirt without being a creep. Shauna, thank you. Thank you oh, for being on the show. I know anyone listening now might might wonder, well, why the fuck do I need to read this book when I can't leave my house? <laughs> but <laughs> but I just want to emphasize like before we get to the moments where we are in crowded spots safely, right? Before we get to the crowds, before we have too many human interactions now is the time to learn this stuff before something happens. And frankly, harassment has not stopped due to a pandemic. People are still, I'm hearing all kinds of reports, obviously not only of harassment against Asian Americans, because the people in charge want to keep calling it the Wuhan flu, Mm -hmm. but plenty of reports of, you know, women and non-binary and trans folks being harassed on the street, even under the mask. Are you, oh, smile. Like, 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 I honestly heard someone say, are you smiling? And it's like, now is the time for you to not ask me that. Like, I can't believe that that is still a thing when we're all wearing face masks, right? That's how ridiculous street harassment is. So <sighs> these things uh. are still happening. And they're going to happen even more when everyone 
shakes off their cabin fever and they're out there spending money, getting drunk, having a good time, the worst can come out in people. So now's the time to learn these skills. And there's also just really good information about working on yourself to be your best self for other people, interpersonal stuff, which when you're stuck at home with someone could be really helpful. Active listening is going to be really helpful. And there's also information, just in case anyone's interested, there's also information about what to do after harm has been caused, like restorative justice options. There's already a million books about uh, restorative justice that are amazing, but I I thought it important to include that in here so everyone can get a full picture and, and at least get like a starting point of knowing like, like mm, this sounds right for me. I'm going to try to learn more about that. So uh, I'm, just a full I'm picture of paper spaces. I really, 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 I'm really glad you brought that up because I think that oftentimes that you brought it up kind of earlier in the conversation that we will think, oh, well, if I can't do this, then what do I do? Right. But also like, how do you deal with a uncomfortable situation and deal with that discomfort as it's happening or right after it's happened? And that justice doesn't necessarily always mean somebody's going to prison. Yeah, it often doesn't. Yeah, yeah, right. Puni- punitive measures often don't get us the results we want, which is which is for sometimes what we want is for the thing to have never happened, right? And so and so we have to come to a place of accepting that, which takes time. Everyone's journey is different. Take your fucking time with that, right? And then sometimes we want it to never happen to anyone else ever again. Throwing someone away in a cell often doesn't get us that, and also ignoring them. Once they're out of that cell, doesn't get us that either. Like it takes like education and 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 working on people and like skill building and so many community measures. And so it is, it is a lot of work. And so yeah, I just wanted to give people a picture of like how that might look and to start thinking about that, you know, what does it look like if we don't call the cops? What does it look like if 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 we we, we get a friend to mediate between someone we're having a conflict with, you know, like what if someone is accused of drugging people's drinks, but no one's really sure if they saw it, but we're pretty sure. What do we do to make sure it stops without ostracizing or accusing an innocent person? Like how, like there are ways to do that, to just try to get the behavior to stop. It's certainly complicated. It certainly does take some work, but it's a part of the bigger picture of what it means to be safer. Beautifully put. How do people find you in the world? I think the easiest thing is maybe just to go to shaunapotter.com. It's got all my socials there. It's got what I'm working on. It's got a current project I'm on, uh, news about war on women, how to hire me for things. I can do consulting. I do feminist coaching. (laughs) So anyone having any kind of problem, I can try to walk you through it from a feminist, intersectional feminist lens and see if we can't make it better in in that way. But yeah, shawnapotter.com. So S-H-A-W-N-A-P-O-T-T-E-R.com. Fantastic. Everything, all of the socials, including Shauna's website, where to get the book, all of the things will be in the show notes. Again, Shauna, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Can we do this again where we actually talk about sex though? I know, but, but <laughs> if, if people want to get to sex, 
Like they got to do this, it right. This, this is the path, right? Like very true. Like, I will happily have you back, and maybe we do a part two, like getting to the sex. <laughs> I like <Okay>. it. <laughs> All yeah. right, folks. Thanks for sticking around this week. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening, folks. Please rate and review on iTunes. It helps this podcast get found. If you leave a five-star review, let me know about it on any social media, and I'll shout you out on the podcast. You can find my website at ericamiley.com. You can find me on Facebook, the Gram, and Twitter. See y'all next time.